good day. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time. God is good. Let's try that one more time. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. It is a happy day. If you're saved, some of you need to tell your face. Amen. And let's all stand and sing.
Somebody and tell him he's a chain breaker. He's broke the chains in my life. It's good to see you this morning. Let's fellowship a little bit if you would. And then we're going to continue to worship.
find your place, you can go ahead and be seated. Amen. Aren't you glad he's a chain breaker in our lives this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, first things first, if you are a guest here today, we hope that you feel welcomed and loved. And uh, we want to, uh, we don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to get a record of your visit. I know I've got some friends here. Amen. I ain't going to point them out. But if you are a guest today for the first time or second time, would you uh, lift up a hand? One of our ushers will get you a card. Again, we don't want to embarrass you. We just want you to fill the card out if you would. Put it in the basket on your way out because we are so glad that you're here. Anybody else? Well, we don't have first-time visitors, but we've got our missionaries to Mexico here. Brother Pablo and uh, Miss Rosa. Y'all stand if you would. Give them a big hand. Amen. All the way from Monterrey, Mexico. You notice how I said Monterrey, Monterrey. Amen. I cannot speak Spanish, but I can do the accent. Amen. Monterrey. Amen. All right. Uh, we speak poquito Espanol. They speak poquito English, but it's okay. Amen. Uh, because we speak the same language as God. Amen. I don't know why I keep talking like this. Okay. All right. Brother Pablo, Miss Rosa, so glad you're here. If you have not heard, we are doing a lunch uh, to honor them where you, we can get a chance to just uh, be with them, fellowship. No better place to fellowship than around the table. So if you didn't, if you came thinking you were going to have to buy lunch, you don't have to buy it today. We got a free one right here. Amen. So as soon as the service is over, we'll have uh, lunch in the fellowship hall. Amen. Uh, just a few announcements. We always have Sunday school, 10 a.m. We have that for all ages. So uh, get up an hour earlier. Come on down here now that we're all th through all the time change and all that. Uh, get down here at 10 a.m. All right. Uh, we always need uh, more help, teachers and helpers to help with children and toddlers for Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. You can see Miss Cindy. She's over there passing uh, uh, things out. But Miss Cindy's over there. You can, uh, you can help on her. We also need volunteers for the lawn team. Spring has sprung, amen, and it has sprung, uh, sprung upon us, and it feels like it, amen. And uh, we, uh, we did get the, uh, the lawn mowed and edged this week, amen. Thank you for those men that came out. Uh, but now's the time. It, that, all of that slows down during the, uh, the winter time, but it's, uh, it's time to ramp it back up. So if you can help us on mowing and weed eating, uh, this is a lot of property, amen. It's a lot to mow and weed eat it. So if you can do that, see uh, see myself, uh, if you would, uh, if you can come and help on that team, all right? Uh, just a reminder, uh, April is a very busy month around here, usually. Uh, Palm Sunday will be the first Sunday of April. We'll be partaking the Lord's Supper, so please come expecting that. We'll be celebrating Palm Sunday and taking the Lord's Supper. Uh, then, of course, Easter Sunday morning will be the next Sunday, and then we'll have uh, one more week in between. And then the last Sunday of April, we will begin our revival that we do every year. Brother Herman Kramer's coming back. Amen. And uh, so come and uh, be with us. We'll have something every night. Yeah, yeah. And we will have the, uh, we'll have the food trucks so that you don't have to cook dinner. You can just come here at the food trucks. We'll have desserts and uh, drinks in the Fellowship Hall. And uh, we've got Ladder Rain is going to come and do some of our worship. Our praise team will do uh, Sunday. Uh, we're working. Uh, we might see if we can get the Floyd boys on Sunday night. So we're just going to have a little bit of everything. We're going to have a spiritual buffet for you. Amen. Uh, for revival. All right. Well, they're very exclusive, brother. They're hard to get, and they are very exclusive. You know, they do one concert a year, and I'm seeing if I can get them geared up for it. Amen. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what we can do on that. 
Uh, we are starting a new class today called Life's Healing Choices. Uh, that is for anybody with a hurt, habit, or hang-up. Amen. So let me look around the room. Yes, all of you need that. Amen. Yes, all of you have a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. Uh, so uh, maybe it's past hurt. Maybe it's some things that have happened in your past traumatic events. Maybe you've got a bad habit that you need to get rid of. Uh, maybe uh, you're hung up on something and you just can't seem to move past it. It's for all of that. It's an eight-week class. It's based on Celebrate Recovery. Uh, so uh, if you've ever uh, heard of that or gone to that, this is just a, kind of a, a smaller version of that. It's an eight-week class. So there will be a video, and I'll be leading that, and we'll break into small groups and, uh, and go from there. Uh, last thing, uh, that, but the, and that will be from 2 to 3.30 on Sunday afternoons, all right? And we'll start it today. So we're, you can go have lunch here, 2 o'clock, be right here, and we'll start that. Uh, the True Girl Pajama Party, this is for all girls and women, uh, mainly geared towards moms and daughters, uh, grandmas, granddaughters, uh, or just any uh, female influence. Uh, guys, sorry, you stay home. We don't want to see you in your pajamas, all right? Uh, but this is for girls, True Girl Pajama Party, and uh, where'd Miss Cindy go? There she is, back there. Miss Cindy has tickets. We got 52 tickets. Are all those spoken for? Four left out of 52. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, so, and if you can't afford it, guess what? That ain't a problem. Amen. Uh, money never keeps anybody from doing anything here at Landmark Baptist Church. We will foot the bill for you if we need to, if you want to go and you want to be a part of that. So that will be this coming Saturday, 630 to 9 at New Life Worship Center. And uh, you can see Miss Cindy if you need more info. I think that is all the announcements. Please pray for Brother Martin. He usually does the announcements. Uh, he went on spring break, and uh, he got a present. He got the flu while he was there. Amen. Uh, so, so pray for Brother Martin, if you would. Uh, well, let's stand back up. Let's get, uh, oh, no, 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 no. I do this every single time. Sit down. Well, you might want to stand up, but uh, Brother Richard and Miss, uh, what's your name again? Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> I botch this every time we do this, amen? And uh, they are going to sing a song for us, amen? The words will be up there if you want to help them out. All right, let's let them sing. Yeah. 
But you know the one that I want to see the most is Jesus. Because he paid our debt, didn't he? But yes, I want to see my mom and my dad, my Mimi, so many I can think of, Brother Mike. There's so many I want to see. But the most I want to see is Jesus. Okay, now we're going to sing about heaven. What a day that will be. But now we're going to sing when we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. And Brother Chris is going to sing this one. before you, Lord, your throne, be humbled, Father, because of who you are and all that you have done for us. Father, 
quiet every mind here this morning. Lord, let your Holy Spirit fill this house. Fill every heart and mind, Lord, with your presence. God, if we ever needed you, it's now. In the days we live in, Lord, there's so much going on. There's so much trouble. Lord Jesus, you gave us a promise. You said in this world we will have trouble. But to fear not, for you have overcome the world. You came, Lord, not only for salvation, but as it is written, Lord, that we may know you, the only true God. Father, I ask that you feel Brother Mark with the Holy Spirit right now. That, Father, that he would be the messenger of whatever you would have us know this morning. Father, that we may take away from today the message, Lord, that we can carry through the week and bring to someone, Lord, who doesn't know you. Father, we ask that if there's anyone here today that does not know you, Father, that he would come to a saving knowledge of your son. And Lord, if there's a prodigal that's drifted away from you, Lord, that you would bring him home because you're standing there with your arms open wide, welcoming him back into your house. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. And we give you all the glory. In the name that is above every name, in the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offer this morning. And you may be seated. If uh, you've got kids who would like to go to Children's Church, they can meet Miss Cindy over here at the door. Always wonderful to have so many kids in the building. I always heard it said, if your building's too quiet, your church is probably dying. Amen. So we love having the kids. We love having uh, noise that they create. They're just going to go make that noise on the other end of the building. Amen. <laughs> Give our children church workers a big hand that always do such a good job. Well, amen. Well, as I told you earlier today, we have Brother Pablo and Miss uh, Rosa. And uh, we are so glad y'all are here. We're so glad to honor you today. And so in honor of them being here today, I wanted to speak on missions. Um, you can turn me down just a little bit, JT. Uh, the, um, what I love about missions is this is what we think of when we think missions. We think of missionaries and we think of somewhere else in the world. And what I want to encourage you today is missions can be across the world, but missions can also be just across the street. Amen? Missions is across the world, but it is also across the street. And sometimes we're too easy to say, well, you know, uh, those people, uh, you know, there's people on the other side of the world that need Jesus, but that's Pablo and Rosa's job. We'll send them down there. And we'll, we're willing to send money, we're willing to pray for them, we're willing to support them. But here's the ironic part, is many times we're willing to do everything to help somebody in another country, in Monterey, Mexico, uh, a long ways away, 
but we are not willing to just walk across the street to tell our neighbor about Jesus. We're not willing to walk across the street to share the love of Christ with somebody else. We're willing to do all these things to help our missionaries on, in another part of the world, but we're not willing to just walk across the street or walk over to the other cubicle at work or walk over uh, to the classroom uh, that we go to person we go to school with or to call that friend on the phone and just say, I've never shared what Jesus means in my life. Let me share what Jesus means in my life. Amen. So missions, I'd, I want you to get negative thinking out of your head. Missions is not about the other side of the world. It is and it isn't. It is about the other side of the world because people all over the world need to hear about Jesus. But guess what? Your next door neighbor needs to hear about Jesus too. The person living across the street, the people that you work with, everybody around you needs Jesus and we need to show them the love of Jesus. Now, we talked in Sunday school this morning from the love chapter. Anybody know what that is? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That is the love chapter. You'll hear many times that's quoted in, uh, in wedding vows. All right, love is patient, love is kind, all those things. And here's the thing we need to understand. Uh, in, that, in that chapter, it says, I can have all knowledge, I can prophesy, I can do all things, but if I don't do it with love, it means nothing. I am nothing is literally what it says. And so everything that we do needs to be coded in love. We need to understand that as Christians, everything that we do to share Christ, everything that we do, even if we have knowledge. Listen, if you can quote the Bible backwards and forwards and you have it all memorized, that is a wonderful accomplishment. Uh, but if you don't wield that with love, it means nothing. All the knowledge in the world means nothing if it's not coded in the love of Christ. In fact, at the beginning of chapter 13, Paul says it this way. Love is, is all things. It conquers all things. It is the greatest of all these spiritual gifts. And so if I don't have love, he says, you're like a clanging cymbal. You're making a bunch of noise, but you ain't doing anything. Amen. So it's wonderful to have Bible knowledge. It's wonderful to be the smartest person in the room. Anybody here the smartest person in the room? I ain't even going to pretend. I ain't the smartest person in the room, amen? But even if you're the smartest person in the room, that means nothing if you don't handle that with humility and you don't handle that with love. You know what? When we get a little bit of knowledge, it's very easy to let it go to our head, and we handle that sometimes with judgment condemnation, self-righteousness, pride. Amen? But I need to handle it with humility. So one of the main things that I want to talk about today was how do we love the lonely? Um, who do you think battles with loneliness? Uh, probably our minds would immediately go to maybe the widower, uh, maybe an older person that's in a nursing home. Um, Maybe the person who is over here by themselves has no family. But can I share with you with this that really many, many people struggle with loneliness in this world that are surrounded by people all the time. Did you know that you can live in a house, and let's just say you've got a really full house. Let's say there's 12 people living in your house. So that would be some chaos, wouldn't it? Maybe some of you are like, I'm right there. I'm with you, brother. i got 12 people there. But you can live in a house with 12 people and still feel completely alone, right? Uh, you can work in an office full of people all day, every day, 
and still feel completely and totally alone. You can be around people all the time and still have no intimacy in your life and still feel completely all alone most of the time. Uh, where do people struggle with anxiety, fear, worry? Many times it is born out of loneliness in their life. Uh, we talked about this morning that studies have shown that loneliness uh, leads to Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, many people in their older years, they're, they're alone all the time. And I'm here to tell you, many people crave that intimacy. Now, let me say this today. Um, there, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about uh, intimacy with people. We're going to talk about uh, touch. We're going to talk about spending time with people. But listen, now, I understand, Brother Mark, we live in a day and time where, you know, touch can be a dangerous thing. And I will agree with you. There's such a thing as good touch and bad touch. Amen? And what I'm talking about today, we don't need no bad touch. Amen? But many people crave physical touch. We're going to talk about a story where Jesus heals a leper. And when you became a leper, nobody wanted to touch you. And Jesus specifically, you know, Jesus healed a lot of people without ever touching them. But one of the times where it makes a very specific point that Jesus healed the guy by touching him was a leper. Why is that? Because maybe what that guy craved more than anything, he needed healing in his soul as much as he needed healing in his body. Because nobody had probably touched him in years. Nobody had loved him, all right? So we're going to talk about loving the lonely today. Uh, there is a thing today called relational poverty. Now, everybody here probably knows what uh, material poverty is. That's a lack of things. That's a lack of money. That's not enough resources to handle your commitments. Relational poverty is when you are struggling with no love in your life, no intimacy in your life. There are no connections in your life. And listen, if you're an introvert, this may surprise you, but in reality, I'm, I'm an introvert. Now, I'm what they call an introverted extrovert. Uh, in this environment, I'm an extrovert because I'm, I'm sure here, and especially around 12 o'clock, you've been thinking, will he ever shut up? All right? In this environment, I, I turn it on. But you could ask my wife. When I go home, and I turn it off. Because in reality, my real personality is I'm an introvert. And so it's easy sometimes for me to forget that I need relationships in my life. I need intimacy. You see, introverts have a tendency to think, I don't need nobody. I'm good. I don't need anybody. And you can tell yourself that all day long. And you may be the biggest introvert of all, but the reality is we all need people. We all need that intimate connection. And people around you, and maybe I may be talking to you about how you need to treat other people today, or I may be talking about you. Maybe you are suffering from relational poverty. I don't have, because here's what's easy, here's what I've found in my life, as a preacher especially. I have a lot of acquaintances. I, had a, I have a lot of people that I know, and I, if I see them out, I say, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. How's your family? But it's very surface. I have a lot of, I know a lot of people, and maybe that's you too, but I'm here to tell you, how many can I count on my hands as a close, close, close friend? How many have I picked up the phone and I said, I need you and I need you right now, and I would know beyond a shadow of a doubt? How many would I even 
have the guts to pick up the phone and say, I need you. That's true. And guess what? If even Jesus needed to surround himself with 12 intimate friendships, that's the son of God. You think maybe you need it too? Yeah. You see, Jesus knew a lot of people, and people were clamoring to get at Jesus, but Jesus knew the importance of my inner circle. So he surrounded himself in his inner circle with those 12, and he poured his life into them, and they poured their life into him for three and a half years. All right? So we're going to talk about that today. A lot of things we've got to cover here. Maybe you are a uh, stay-at-home mom, and you feel completely alone because all you see is kids all day long. Uh, maybe you work around a lot of people, but you don't have any close friends. You've never, you don't really know anything about the people at work. Maybe you're a college student surrounded by others in a dorm room or in a classroom, but yet you feel completely alone. Here's a big one. Maybe you're in a dysfunctional marriage and you feel completely alone. Maybe you have a lack of love, empathy, support, and someone to listen. So I'm going to start with this. There's four theories that they've come up with on why people are so lonely these days. I'm going to give you four. Number one is the breakdown of the families. Breakdown of families. Divorce causes a lot of division in families. It causes, of course, division in marriages, but it also causes divisions in the family. If you get divorced and think it's not affecting the rest of the family, you are a fool. It does affect. It affects everybody. Everything we do affects everybody else. Whatever you do in your life, right or wrong, good or bad, affects everybody down the line that's connected to you. So the breakdown of families has greatly affected um, people's intimacy level. A lot of people start putting their guard up. They come from a family that's broken, and what do you do? I got hurt. Well, guess what? That ain't going to happen no more because I'm going to put this giant brick wall up around my heart, and nobody's ever going to get close to me again because I ain't going to let anybody hurt me like that again. Been there, done that? Yeah. Break that wall. If I'm talking to you this morning, get a sledgehammer. Break the wall down. I know it's a cliche. Better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. But that is so true. You can't just stop living life and say, I ain't never going to love again because somebody hurt me. You will live a very sad life and a very lonely life. Amen. Number two, increase mobility. Uh, you notice this? Nobody puts any roots down anymore. How long do people stay at a job usually these days? You remember back in the day when you'd go to work, and this was back in the day when they had uh, jobs like Kelly Springfield, Tyler Pipe, uh, those type places. You'd go to work. You'd come out of school. Uh, you'd uh, maybe come straight out of high school or maybe you'd go to college or whatever. But you'd start work at that company, and you would work at that company for 30, 40 years. Then after 30, 40 years, they have a big party for you, give you a gold watch maybe, and you retire. You collect your retirement or your pension, and you go on about your business, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Those days are gone. Anybody re recognize that, realize that? Those days are gone. You know where uh, the, the longest people stay at one job? I'm not talking about a career, but at a, a job at one particular place, uh, usually these days the average is around four to five years. So every four to five years, people are jumping around. And not just jumping around from jobs, also moving cities to go to those jobs. So nobody puts roots down anymore. Um, you know, I've lived in most of the houses I've lived in, I've lived in them five to ten years. And then every five to ten years, we're, we're moving. Uh, every five to ten years, you know, you, you're changing jobs. So it is increased mobility. Nobody sets roots down, which means nobody 
gets time to develop any intimacy. This is even true in church. You know what the average stay for a pastor is in a church these days? Two years or less. Two years or less. Did you know that at two years, I'm on year three here, I'm just now getting to know some of you. You can't really get to know anybody. You can't get to know, and we're supposed to be family. And we can't really develop any intimacy in two years or less. So this is another thing. We're increased, we're mobility. Uh, we live in a society today, the word they use is fluid. Fluid, it's like water. We just keep moving. We keep moving. And we never develop relationships because I won't be here in three or four years anyway, so I'm just not going to bother. Okay? Uh, number three, heavy workloads. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, everybody has overtime these days. Uh, most people that I know work today, uh, a lot of times they have mandatory overtime. I have a friend of mine, and he was working with me, uh, and he was working in two departments, and he was working with me, and he said, well, I'm working over here, and they're counting this towards overtime, and my boss over here in this department getting mad because my mandatory overtime over here is getting eaten up by my overtime over here. His overtime's overlapping his overtime. Amen? I'd say that's a serious heavy workload. Amen? And that's, that's what's expected of you. That's not even voluntary uh, overtime. That's, that's mandatory overtime. All right? So we have heavy, heavy workloads today. Can I tell you this? At the end of the day, I've seen a lot of people older at the end of their life. Nobody's ever said to me, Brother Mark, I sure wish I'd worked more. I sure wish I'd worked more. Amen? Mm-mm. One of the points we're going to have today is love is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. You choose what to do with it. We say many times, well, I just don't have time. We all have the same amount of time. It's not that we don't have enough time. It's what we choose to do with that time. All right? All right. That's a whole other sermon. I'll get off of that. All right? Number four, the rise of social media. For all the good that it can do, Satan learns to use it. Now, as I've said before, is social media evil? Is it of Satan? No, it's an inanimate object. But they are tools. And Satan can use those tools. God can use those tools. It's a wonderful thing that for God to use it. And you can get on there and you can witness to somebody in China in real time and tell them the gospel. That's a wonderful part of it. But guess what? It also does what I call deferred loneliness. When people look at people's social media, let's take Facebook, for instance. When I look at your Facebook page, are you putting all the depressing stuff on there? No, it's what I call your highlight reel. And so when I look at your highlight reel, I go, dang, man, Chris, he's got a life, man. Look at, look at these pictures. Look at all this guy is doing. This guy's doing nothing but having fun. Amen? And so... I, but I, I need to understand, and I start going, well, look at my life. Man, my life stinks compared to Chris's. Man, I ain't having near as much fun as he had. There's the game of comparison. I have to look at this with a grain of salt and understand that I'm not looking at Chris's real life. I'm looking at his highlight reel, all right? So, but the, the, can Satan use that? Oh, you better believe he can. It creates envy. It creates jealousy. It creates, why isn't my life that great? Why do people love Chris and they don't love me? Why did Chris get 150 likes on his picture and I only got two? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Amen. And this is what the rise of social media, uh, uh, it's funny, but it's not funny, all right? Because 
we spend our lives, and if you get caught up in that, you can get caught up in how many likes you get or how many people see it or any of those things. So rise of social media is a huge one. So the big question becomes, this is why we are lonely, but how do we love the lonely? Now, again, maybe I'm looking at you today, and maybe you are the lonely one. So I want you to get this from both sides because, quite honestly, we're probably both on both sides a lot of times. Sometimes I'm the lonely one that needs people to reach out to me. Sometimes I'm the one that I need to see there's loneliness in that person's life, and I need to reach out to them. So let's look at it from both sides. So how do we love the lonely? Number one, and this is what I already referred to, love with touch. Let's look at the, ver- uh, the, the story. Matthew uh, 8, 2 says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now let's, let's stop right there. Just go back to that verse first. The leper comes to him. Let me describe to you what being a leper was like back then. It's not a very common disease these days, but back then it was a very common disease. Uh, if you had leprosy, left untreated, uh, your lifespan was expected to be 10 years at the most. And in that 10 years, here's what would happen. Your body would become covered in boils and sores. Remember the story of Job? Uh, probably very similar to that. Uh, sores and boils all over your body filled with pus. And that's just the beginning stages. Uh, and then literally your face would change shape. And you, would, you wouldn't even look like a human being anymore. Your face would become covered with so much stuff uh, that they said you almost had the appearance of a lion. Your head would just grow bigger. And so you were, you were unple- not only were you unpleasant to be around and it was highly contagious, but you were unpleasant to look at. And then if that's not bad enough, here's what's happened. Because those boils and soils, sores were filled with pus, uh, it would grow on your vocal cords, it would change your voice, and then your body would begin to be like it was decomposing, almost like you were dead without being dead. And there would be an extreme smell about you. I don't know if you've ever uh, been around somebody got a, bo- a lance, a boil, a lanced, or any of that nature, there's a smell to it. And as, as their flesh is rotting, there becomes a stench to the person. So here is the, uh, what happened. You're highly contagious. Uh, you're gross to look at. You're gross to be around. You stink. And nobody wants to be around you. So they create these things on the outside of town called leper colonies. And if you got leprosy, they would send all of you out there to live in that leper colony. And y'all stay out there. We don't need you anywhere near us. We don't want to touch you. We don't want to see you. We don't want to smell you. And you will never see your family again. You go out there and you live in that leper colony, and you don't come near us again. This is what these people were dealing with. And so Jesus comes along, and this leper sees him. And notice what he says. He's seen Jesus at work, obviously, because he's seen him do a miracle already. Because he he says this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he's obviously already seen him do it. He has great faith that he can do it. And so he knows that Jesus can heal. And here's the fact of the matter, folks. Jesus healed more times than not without touching anybody. Uh, Jesus could just think it. He could speak it. Uh, it could happen. He could raise, he raised Lazarus from the dead by just shouting it, proclaiming it. Amen. Jesus didn't have to touch anybody to heal anybody. He'd already proved that. This guy had probably seen that. And he's probably thinking, I got leprosy. I'm covered with boils. I stink. 
Jesus, I don't need you to touch me, but I know if you're willing, you can just speak it and you can make me clean. So his faith is great. It's wonderful. Amen. And then let's see what happens in verse three. Then Jesus, what? Put out his hand and touched him. Why? And you know the people standing there are going to say, oh, Jesus, don't, don't do that. Oh, J- Jesus, Jesus. You, can you imagine the disciples saying, whoa, whoa, master, master, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we don't touch those people. No, that's highly contagious. You, you'll get it, Jesus. Don't touch them. They, they stink. That's, that's gross. Don't touch them. But Jesus says, come here. He puts out his hand. He touches it. He says, even though he didn't have to, he touches him. He says, I am willing. I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Now, why in all these situations did Jesus feel the need in this situation to reach out and touch the man? Because he knew his greatest need was somebody to love him. He had probably not been physically touched in almost 10 years. Nobody had ever touched him. And we craved that. Listen. Now, again, there's good touch and there's bad touching. But I'm here to tell you, we all need physical touch, even if we don't think we do. The manliest man in here needs physical touch. Wives, can I tell you? Now, men, don't get too excited. Amen. But you man, reach out and grab his hand sometimes. My wife is not a touchy-feely person. But nothing makes my day, honey. (laughs) Like when she reaches out and she takes the initiative and she grabs my hand. Amen. Amen. Come on, man. I'm trying to help you here. Amen. We need that physical touch. No matter what we say, we all need it. There's a level of intimacy we all need to be, even, even if it's somebody, you ever notice how it's just, it can make your day even when somebody just kind of touches your arm, you know? And they tell you that's, that's, that's a sign of when you're with somebody, if you want to give them extra encouragement or you want to give them extra feel good, if you will, just reach out and kind of, as you're, as you're encouraging them, reach out and just touch their shoulder, touch their arm. One little touch can make all the difference in the world. We love with touch, okay? I love when people come here sometimes and they say, I love coming to church here because it's one place I know I'm going to get a hug. Amen? Now, again, don't be looking for a bad hug, amen? We're looking for a good hug, amen? But it's, we, we need that. Sometimes people say, church is the only place I get that. Nobody's going to do that at work. Nobody's going to do that just out and about. But I need that. I need it. Why? Because we are family here. Amen. We talked about that in Sunday school. Listen, this is not a club. Why are people leaving the church? Because they think it's a club. And if I go to a club and you hurt my feelings or we get sideways, I just simply say, I no longer want to be a member of that club. I'm going to go join another club. But this is not a club. This is not your club. That's stinking thinking on your part. You're going to get hurt. We're going to get sideways. I'm going to hurt your feelings. Something's going to Why? Because we're family. And guess what? That's what family does. Can I tell you this? You get on my nerves. But guess what? I probably get on your nerves. 
but I'm not going to go look for another family. Now, if I was joining a club, I might go look for another club because maybe uh, me and Miss Barbara, we get sideways. Amen. I say, I'm sorry, Miss Barbara, we got sideways. I can't go to church with you. So I got to go look for another club. If it's just a club, that's why you do that. It's all a mindset. But we don't do that. We're family. And if Miss Barbara and I get sideways, that's my sister. So I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to go sit down with my sister and say, sister, we need to work this out. Amen. Amen. That's the difference between a family and a club. Don't leave the church. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You get sideways with somebody, you go make it right. Amen. But family does that. We get on each other's nerves. We are dysfunctional. And I can't tell you of a more dysfunctional family than Landmark Baptist Church. Amen. We are highly dysfunctional. But we're still family. Amen. Now, I can talk about Tracy all day long, but don't you talk about Tracy. Amen. Because you talk about Tracy, we got a problem. Amen. Because that's my sister. Amen. That's the way you do it. All right. Number two, you love by listening. The men are not going to like this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Luke 24, 17 through 19. I don't know if you know this story. Jesus has already been crucified, and the, uh, the disciples are a mess. Their world's been shattered. And so in Luke 24, 17, Jesus shows up in glorified form, but they don't know it's Jesus. And so he's walking beside them on the road. And look what he says. He engages them. He says, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And they don't know it's Jesus because he's in his glorified body. All right. Uh, and then verse 18. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? In other words, didn't you hear about this Jesus being crucified? Didn't you hear about him dying? And what is, how does Jesus respond? And he said to them, what things? He knows what things. They're talking about him, amen? But he wants to engage them in conversation. He wants to hear, why are you sad? What's going on in your life? Why are you struggling? And so he engages them. This is why your therapist, some of you didn't know I know you had a therapist, or your counselor, and those are good things, why they get paid $100 an hour. Because they get paid $100 an hour and say, how did that make you feel? What's going on? Because we've got to pay somebody $100 an hour because we don't have anybody intimate enough in our lives that we can go to and say, would you listen to me? Right? So Jesus engages them. What things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. Amen. What did Jesus do in his glorified body? He asked questions and then he truly listened. He engaged them, then he stopped and listened. Listen, people will open up when you ask them about themselves and their life. I know this because I've experienced I've lived, there's one advantage of being 60 years old, and it's this, I've learned a few things. And here's one of the things I've learned. People's favorite subject is what? Themselves. <laughs> Big surprise, amen? So if you want to engage somebody, you want to share the gospel with somebody, get them talking about themselves. 
if you want to get me talking, ask me about myself. Because I'll, I'll admit, I love myself. I love talking about myself. Amen? Have you ever had that friend, though, that it's all about them? There's a, there's a friend that I spend time with, and we will go to lunch, and he will tell me all about his family, all about everything going on in his life. And then the lunch is over, and I go, did anybody want to know about you know, it was all one-sided. Amen. I've got to listen. Get people started because it may not come back at you. I'll just guarantee you that. But guess what? I don't mind that because I know he needs to talk. And so I don't have to give it back. I just let him talk. Because here's the hard part. And men, this is what you're not going to like. Some pit times... Your wife and people don't want you to fix something. They just want to be heard. Men, we're fixers. I know that goes against everything in our DNA. We are fixers. Amen. So when my wife says, Mark, I want you to sit down. I want to tell you about this. I go into fix-it mode. All right, let's just sit down. We're going to get this done. Amen. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, this, this. And come to find out, that's not what she needed at all. She just needed to be heard. Amen? And in order for them to be heard, this is hard. I don't know if you're going to get this or not. Common sense ain't quite so common. In order to listen, you have to shut up. That's blunt. I know. Brother Mark being blunt again. Amen? But you have to learn the art of shutting up. That's a hard one. I've gotten better at it over the years, but it took me a long time to learn. Mark, just shut up. It ain't worth it. You know, I've talked about that guy who it's more important to him to be right than to be married. <laughs> you can be right or you can be married. You probably can't be both. <laughs> Amen. But here's the thing. My marriage is more important than me being right. Amen. I'm pointing at her, not you, Tracy. Amen. <laughs> My marriage is more important to me than being right. And sometimes I need to shut up and listen. I thought this was a really good thing. Did you know that the word silent and the word listen both have the same letters? In other words, in order to listen, you have to be silent. That's a nice way of saying shut up. Amen. I probably should have said that way first. Um. So listen, um, sometimes people don't want you to fix something. They just want to be heard, and that is huge. I'm going to ask the band to come up while I do this last one. Because the last one is the most important, and then we're going to have a time to respond. Number three is, and I've already referred to it, you love with time, T-I-M-E. And the example I'm going to use for this one, we're not going to go to the scripture, but do you remember the story of the four guys that had this paralyzed friend, and they heard Jesus was going to be at this house. And so they said, our friend can be healed. This guy, Jesus, can heal our friend. He's been paralyzed most of his life, so let's get him. We're going to get him on a mat. We're going to take him down there to this house. They get down there to the house, and you remember what it is. This is at the height of Jesus' popularity, and the house is full. The house is overflowing, and the people cannot, they cannot get anywhere near the house because there's so many people. So what do these friends do? These are true friends, right? Because what do these friends do? 
they get him up on the roof. I don't know if you've ever tried to get a paralyzed man on a roof, but that ain't easy. But these friends were determined to get their friend to Jesus. Can I say that's true intimacy? That's true friends. They were going the extra mile. So somehow they get this paralyzed friend up on the roof, and what are they doing? They start tearing through the roof. Somebody's homeowners and policy was not going to cover that, amen? But they didn't care. They were desperate for their friend, and they tear through the roof, and they finally lower their friend down in front of Jesus in the middle of this room. That is true dedication. That is time. Do you think that was convenient for these four friends? Do you think maybe they, that didn't just happen. They had to plan that out, and they both had to, they all had to set aside the day and say, because it was probably a distance from where they were, they said, we're going to go to this town, we're going to find this house, so everybody just mark your day off, because this is going to cost us a day. Can I tell you this? When God calls you to do something, when God calls you to love on somebody, encourage somebody, it's probably going to cost you something. It's probably going to cost you some inconvenience. And you need to understand that it is you love people with time. If I, if I block off the whole day for you, can I tell you this? I love you. Right? If your spouse says, you need me today, I'm calling into work. Because you need me today. That's love, isn't it? Your children, they don't need more money. They don't need your overtime pay. Come on. They need you. They sometimes need you to say, you know what? You're struggling. Today is just you and pop day. I'm just, I'm marking the day off for you. That's true love, isn't it? We love with time. Jesus was always going somewhere, but yet Jesus was never rushed. He was never rushed when speaking to a crowd. Luke 5, 17 through 19. Now, it happened on certain days as he was teaching. There were Pharisees, teachers of law, sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. When they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Jesus was in the middle of his sermon. That'd be like me sitting here preaching to you right now, and all of a sudden, stuff starts falling through, and a paralyzed guy just comes right down in the middle in front of me. And now what? Jesus, I'm in the middle of preaching here, guys. Come on. You're, you're, you're messing my schedule up. No. Jesus was everywhere that he needed to be, but he was never rushed. And he always took time with people. All right? Uh, when he was asleep, Luke 8, 22 through 24. I'll just go over these quickly. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. 
You know what I believe Jesus did then? I believe he laid down and went back to sleep again. Right? Everywhere, all the time, everything, never rushed. Did he not have 24 hours in a day just like you and I got 24 hours in a day? It's what he chose to do with it. Amen. Uh, went on his way to reforming and healing, Luke 8, 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on positions and could not be healed by any. Remember, the lady who touched the hem of his garment. Jesus immediately recognized. He was on his way to heal somebody else, and he felt power go out from himself. And he said, somebody's already been healed. I'm on my way to heal somebody else. Somebody's already been healed. Why? Because they didn't even ask. This lady did not even ask. She did not show her faith by saying, I know if you're willing, you can heal me. She just reached out and touched. And because of her faith, Jesus said, whoa, whoa something just went out from me. Amen. She didn't ask for it. She just touched the hem of his garment. Amen. And then last, when praying, Mark 1, 35 through 39. You remember this? Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. Jesus was everywhere, going somewhere, never rushed. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Now let me speak to you for just a moment. What if you feel alone today? What if you're the lonely one? I want to encourage you, and if I could come out there and physically touch your shoulder... For everybody, I would. But I want you to feel me in the spirit physically touching your shoulder when I say this. You are not here by accident today. God loves you. God cares about you. We love you. We care about you. God loves you. We love you. You have someone. You have a father who knows everything. You have a father who loves you and can empathize with every hard thing you've gone through. You don't need to feel lonely. This is a family. You need to let this family love on you. Some of you put up a guard and you don't allow people here to love on like you like you need to be loved. Can I tell you today, quit being so selfish and knock the walls off of your heart and let people love you. Let people minister to you. This is a place of love. You are welcome here. This is your home. This is your family. You're loved. So we're going to respond here in a moment. Julie's going to play and sing. And if you need to come, I want to hug you. I want to lay a hand on you. I want to pray for you. Maybe you need to come and join this church and say, I want a, fam I want a family. I don't want a club. I want a family. Maybe you need to come today and you need to kneel at this altar and say, Lord, I need to knock the cold off of my heart. Maybe you need to come and say, Brother Mark, would you pray for me over this area? I'm really struggling. Maybe you need to go to your spouse and say, Honey, I'm sorry.
let's be closer than we've been. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me if you're struggling today. Give your heart to Jesus or rededicate your life to Jesus. And pray this prayer and say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I need you. And I know you died on the cross for my sins. And I need your help. I'm lonely. I'm struggling. I have an addiction. I have a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. And I need to deal with it. And I'm struggling. I need somebody to help me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I recommit myself to you. I come to you for the first time. In Jesus' name. As we sing, I'm going to ask you if you prayed that prayer to just come and just share with me that you prayed that prayer. You need to come to the altar. You need to come join the church. You just need to come get a hug. You need me to pray over you. Whatever you need to do, let's stand as we sing a song, if you would.
ride don't get you going, nothing will. Amen. Well, I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Uh, don't forget, we are starting class, Life's Healing Choices. Can't think of a greater follow-up than what I preached just now. Come at 2 o'clock, 2 to 3.30, and uh, we'll meet right here in this room, all right? Father, we thank you for what you've done in this service. Lord, we pray for this class today as we start it. God, would you send exactly who you want to be here? Those that are struggling with it, I pray that you just encourage them. Lord, that we need to be here. The first step towards changing our lives is admitting we have a problem and then stepping in and let somebody love us and somebody to be accountable to, Lord. We ask you, Lord, as we go out of these doors that we're entering our mission field, Father, have your will and your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday.